Welcome to the Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Chris Paxson and Rose Spiller. We're continuing in our series, Real Truth About Real Stuff. And today, we're going to talk about demons and more specifically, Satan. Chris, you and I are on the same page when we say we don't want to give Satan and his dominions one second of attention. You're absolutely right about that. We're always on the same page about that. But you and I are also on the same page about the fact that he's getting a lot of attention, way too much attention, even from Christians. And the way to stop this is to look at truth about what scripture says about him. That's a great point. The Barner Group, which in their own words, and I'm quoting, is an organization that provides spiritual influencers with credible knowledge and clear thinking, enabling them to navigate a complex changing culture. Recently, they asked 1,871, I don't know why they chose that number, (laughs) self-described Christians questions about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Satan, and demons. So this question was posed to them. Do you believe Satan is real? 40% strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but just a symbol of evil. While 20% said that they agree somewhat that Satan is not real. 20% of these Christians said that they believe Satan is real. While 10% said that they somewhat agree that he's real. And 8% said they just didn't know. Chris, how does someone believe you're somewhat real? <laughs> I mean, I you're, don't know. you're either real or you aren't, right? It just know. makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. But of these self-described Christians, 17% say they somewhat believe that Jesus had sinned while on earth. And 20% said they somewhat believe that the Holy Spirit is a living being. So there you go. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never like that. I was like, oh, I feel this way or I feel this way or I know this or I believe this. Right. Or I don't. It sounds like too many of these people are somewhat indecisive. <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> but sadly, a lot of garbage is out there about Satan and his demons. And that's probably adding to the confusion probably. that we're seeing in this part of thing. So let's see if we can shed some biblical truth on Satan and his demons And History.com defines Satan or the devil as the personification of evil and the nemesis of good people everywhere. Sounds like every villain in a superhero movie. It does. And there's two problems with this definition. First, Satan is not a personification of evil. The definition of personification is the representation of an abstract quality in human form. Job 1.7 says, The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. I'm pretty sure God the Almighty would not have a conversation with an abstract quality. (laughs) Satan is a real living being. Absolutely. And the second problem is to say that he's the nemesis of quote unquote good people everywhere. First, Jesus himself says that nobody's good. And second, this makes it sound like Satan's objective is to go after morally upright people, which is not the case at all, Rose. Mm -mm. It wasn't us that Satan rebelled against. It was God. And while it's true that he would like to destroy all that's good and holy because of his hate for God, his main objective is to get at God. He does this by going after those whom God loves. 
Peter affirms this in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 when he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Satan is our adversary because we belong to God. And Chris, that perfectly leads into another misconception. One we've mentioned many times, but it's worth mentioning again. Yes, Satan rebelled against God, and we're going to look at that in detail in a minute. And yes, Satan and his demons attacked the people of God to try and get at God. But God is sovereign over it all. You know, it makes your head spin a little. But Satan cannot and does not do anything without God allowing him to. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. God lets Satan whisper lies to me and mess with me? The answer is yes. And we're going to talk about why. We are. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's start at the beginning. And the beginning of the story about Satan is not in the garden when he encounters Eve in Genesis. It's actually in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. First, Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who lay the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And then in Ezekiel 28, verses 14 to 17, it says, On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O garden cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. Rose, we do need to point out, If you look at these two passages in the Bible, the Isaiah passage has the heading that it is being written to the king of Babylon and the Ezekiel passage to the king of Tyre. We don't have time to go into all the exegesis on this passage to show that while this may have been addressed to human kings of Babylon and Tyre, it's ultimately a commentary on Satan. As Ligonier Ministry says, though Isaiah and Ezekiel do not write explicitly concerning Satan, They may be and probably are writing implicitly concerning his person. And as you said, Chris, we don't have time to go into all the intricacies and show all the verses of how scholars come to this conclusion. But while Babylon and Tyre were real places, they're also used throughout scripture as symbols of evil and rebellion against God. But a couple things from the verses we need to point out. Both passages tell us that once Satan was in heaven. In the Isaiah passage, it's verse 12 how you are fallen from heaven. And the Ezekiel passage, it's in 13 and 14. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed garden cherub. I placed you. You are on the holy mountain of God. Satan was an angel created by God. He's not eternal. He had a definite beginning. And as we're going to see in a bit, he has a definite end. Exactly. And who gave him that beginning and Who's going to bring him to an end? God. 
Just as God is sovereign over every single detail in our lives, he's sovereign over every single detail of Satan and his demons. God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. And that knowledge is perfect because everything about God is perfect. Do you think Satan, or Lucifer as he's called, rebelling was a surprise to God? Of course it wasn't. There's a great mystery here, and that is how Satan could fall when there was no evil present at all in his creation. We don't know the answer to this, and we won't ever know on this side of heaven. And what we do know, that it was no surprise to God. And we also know that God was completely sovereign over it. And if you aren't completely sold on that God is sovereign over everything about Satan, we ask you to chew on this. God is the one who banished Satan from heaven. He banished him to earth. Now, God could have banished Satan to any of the thousand or millions of planets in the solar system. Yet he banishes him to earth, the very planet where he creates man. Think that was an oversight on God's part? Absolutely not. Of course it wasn't. Although we can't understand all of what God was doing or planning, we do know that everything that happened and continues to happen, Satan's creation, his rebellion, his banishment to earth, man's creation on earth, man's fall, Satan's continued evil, and ultimately the redemption of God's people is all part of God's plan. To quote Martin Luther, The devil is God's devil and never operates outside of the Lord's decree. That's a perfect quote. It's a good one to remember. It's hard to understand that Satan wreaking havoc on believers and unbelievers is part of God's plan. But that's where faith in who God is and that he's completely good comes in. And we need to concede that it's just something our finite minds can't grasp. But What we want to be sure to point out is that God didn't make anyone sin. That includes Satan, his demons, Adam, Eve, all of us actually. God doesn't make someone sin. He doesn't have to. When left on our own, we'll do it ourselves. James 1, 13 to 15 confirms this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Okay, Chris. Scripture clearly says that Satan has a dominion of demons. Where did that come from? Well, the demons are mentioned in 19 of the 27 New Testament books. Wow. Jesus frequently cast out demons when he walked the earth. Who are they? Well, they are other angels who decided to follow Satan when he was cast out of heaven. Jude 6 through 7 says, And the angels, Satan's followers, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he, Jesus, has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So Satan's demons are the angels who also decided to rebel against God and become followers of Satan. This is confirmed in Matthew 12, 24, when Jesus calls the devil the prince of demons. Just as a side note, 1 Timothy 5, 21 makes the contrast with these fallen angels with the elect angels, those angels who remain sinless, remain in the presence of God, and serve God faithfully. You know, people have a lot of views about Satan and demons. Some Christians take Satan way too lightly, 
while others become distracted with them to the point of obsession. So let's look at exactly what scripture says about the devil and his demonic followers. In John 12, 31, Jesus calls him the ruler of this world. Well, wait, didn't we just say that God was the ruler of this world and everything else? Well, Chris, the answer to that is the world is being used here to symbolize unbelievers. Another place we see this in John 17, 15, where Jesus says, I have given them, meaning his people, your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Satan is the ruler of the world, i.e. unbelievers. Exactly. And Rose, that's a pretty sobering thought and should make us cringe. But this truth is backed up in other scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 say, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In this verse, Paul is saying that for those who have not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, Satan's their God, little g. And they're being blinded from seeing the light of the gospel. There are other verses, but to give a bone-chilling summary, either God is your God or Satan is your God. Again, using little g. And that is pretty bone-chilling. Yeah. Even more, Satan and his demons can possess unbelievers. We see it throughout scripture. You know, some say this was only something that happened during biblical times, but there's no indication anywhere that it doesn't still occur. In fact, it better explains a lot of things throughout history, like how someone like Nero or Hitler or Ted Bundy can be so purely evil. I'm not saying that these people were definitely possessed by Satan, but I don't think there can be a doubt that they're at least influenced by him. You could go all through history up to the news of today and see things people have done and wonder how could they have done that. If they're an unbeliever, their eyes are blinded to the light of the gospel, which means they're living in darkness. And darkness is where Satan and his minions rule. Right. But what about believers? We often wonder or hear people wonder, can Satan possess or influence a believer? And the answer to that is no. Satan can absolutely not possess a believer. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. When someone is saved, they are sealed by the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Moreover than that, the Holy Spirit lives and indwells in them. Satan cannot dwell in those who have been sealed and who have the Holy Spirit living in them. But while Satan can't possess a believer, he and his demons can mess with them. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And Chris, we only need to look at the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, yet Satan enticed them to sin against God. Exactly. And in 1 Chronicles 21.1, it says, Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. Satan enticed David to number his troops, an act that was sinful for him to do. And of course, the devil doesn't just limit himself to tempting believers. He even tried to tempt Jesus to That's sin. That's right, he did. If he's going to go directly after Jesus, we can be sure he's going to come after us. Which is why we cannot take Satan too lightly. His whole goal is to get a believer's focus off of God. 
Because if they're not focusing on the things of God, they're focusing on things of the world. And who's the ruler of the world? Exactly. Hmm. But Chris, on the flip side of not taking Satan too lightly, some Christians are so distracted with him that they give him as much or maybe more attention than they do Jesus. Ugh, that's so true. We said that Satan can't possess a believer, but God gives us even more protection from him than that. Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Then in six sixteen it says, In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The way we stand up and overcome Satan is to have faith in Jesus because he's the one doing the fighting for exactly. us. We could never overcome Satan on our own, which is why unbelievers fall prey to him. But as believers, we aren't on our own. We have the power of Jesus and his victory over sin, Satan, and death. And that's also our victory. Exactly. Jesus is the one who deserves our worship, our praise, our time, and our energy, not Satan. Don't let your fear of Satan become an idol. So rather than walking around denouncing Satan, as some will tell you to do, pray. Pray the promises that you have in Jesus. As 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 say, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's a great thing to remember. And I think we should end with this, with the end of Satan actually and his demons. <laughs> First Corinthians 15 verse 4 says, then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Christ has already defeated Satan at his resurrection, but that victory's not yet come to completion, and that's why the devil and his minions are still at large. But when Jesus comes back, he will bring victory to completion, and as Revelation 20 verses 9 and 10 tell us, Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. I love that. Me too. And I love the promise in 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We as believers don't have to fear anything, including Satan, sin, and death. Jesus has given us victory over all of these, and we demonstrate that victory through our faith in him. So let's not waste time and energy fearing Satan or what he could do to us. Instead, let's concentrate on the one who has already defeated him. And at the end of that Ezekiel passage we read earlier, it says, You have come to a dreadful end, and you shall be no more forever. But we do want to give you all a warning from Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 to 15, which says, And what I am doing I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 
So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Another bone-chilling verse. Yes. And John reiterates this in 1 John 4, 1-4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There are false teachers out there. Some are so blatant that they're easy to spot, but others not so much. There are those who will say that they're from God and they may even talk about Jesus as if they're believers, but they aren't. When you delve into what they're teaching, they aren't teaching Jesus is from God and that he's their Lord and Savior, even if on the surface they may seem like it. What they are teaching is that they are Lord and they are their own God. We need to test them to make sure that we don't fall prey to their teaching. What they're peddling is from Satan and not from God. The best offense and offense against them is to study the truth of God's word so that we can recognize the lies when we hear them. Agreed. And that's a good place to end today. We hope we've shed some light on a very dark subject. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Also, please consider giving us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. We would. And one last thing, if you have or are planning to purchase our book and study guide, No Half-Truths Allowed, Understanding the Complete Gospel Message, message us on any of our social media platforms. We're giving away free access to corresponding teaching videos for each chapter to everyone who gets the book and study guide. Have a blessed day.